This podcast is a publication of the Engineering Management Institute, where we are committed to building professional development systems, including project management and people leadership programs that support the growth of engineers and their firms. Download our AE Industry Trends Report for insights on the great resignation, remote work productivity, and people-centric cultures. To get your copy, visit engineeringmanagementinstitute.org. Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, we'll be talking with Roger Kodis, a structural engineer at the Engineering Company Limited, about his experience working for both small and large firms. Get ready for a fascinating conversation about the dynamics of field work versus office work, the advantages and disadvantages of big firms versus small firms, and the importance of personal goals and growth in the field of structural engineering. I'm your co-host, Matt Cardle. And I'm your co-host, Rachel Holland. So let's jump into the conversation of the week with Roger. Before we go on, here's a quick word from our sponsor for this episode, Collier's Engineering and Design. Thank you to EMI sponsor, Collier's Engineering and Design, a full-service A&E firm with more than 2,200 employees and over 60 offices nationwide. As an industry leader, Collier's Engineering and Design has a responsibility to ensure the built environment is constructed with a commitment to the inclusivity, health, and welfare of our people, clients, and communities. Their expansion has fostered an enterprising culture that provides continued opportunities for employees to grow their careers while facilitating their personal and professional development within the company. From cutting-edge technology to a wide range of benefits and programs, their leadership is dedicated to the well-being of its employees, providing them with everything they need to accelerate their success. For more information about how you can join their team, find them on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, or visit Collier's Engineering. Roger, welcome to the show, first off. And can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you do on a daily basis? Thanks for having me, guys. This is an honor. I can start off with giving you a brief summary of where I started and how I got here. It all started from high school where I did not know where I was going to go in life, and I was aspiring to be a musician. Me and my friends were doing really well in music, and then it came a time around where you had to choose what you're going to do in school and where you're going to go. So I basically got to push my parents, like, music is not a career for you. You should go and do engineering. I like math. So that's how it started off. And then basically through university, I learned that I actually enjoyed math and I enjoyed designing and all that stuff. And then one thing led to another, and then here I am now working for a small firm I'm doing structural engineering, which I truly enjoy. What did you play or were you the singer of the band? Like, what was your... I initially started in a French immersion school. So it was all, everything was in French, including the math. I was a lead guitarist and then we were a band of four. And we were actually quite good. Like, we would open up for a lot of French Canadian bands. My background is a little Middle Eastern Greek. So it didn't really encourage me to pursue this dream of being a magician. So the next best thing is to become an engineer. So here I am. I still play music with my friends and we actually just performed at my uh, 
good friends, the wedding. He wanted us to all play together for his wedding. So we did that, which is nice. But going to engineering from a French school is very hard because everything's in English. So going from French to English, the transition was really aggressive. And a lot of my friends actually like failed a few classes because it's not exactly the same thing, but it worked out at the end. I mean, perseverance brought us where I am today. I think that's pretty cool balance though. With the engineering part, you know, it's very technical, but then you have something with those creative hobbies or activities that you can do to kind of balance it out. I feel the same thing in terms of, yeah, I do the technical stuff, but uh, if we want to get more creative than having things to do on the side, that, that's pretty cool. And it for sure brought a, a very artistic side because like musician hits a different part of your brain. So when you mix that with engineering, like you start seeing things a little bit differently, which is, it's a good uh, combination. I know you're working for a smaller firm now, but have you worked in the smaller and bigger firms as well? I, I wanted to see if what was your experience working with those, especially between the office work and field work in the context of structural engineering. The first job I landed, quote unquote, was in the field on a construction site. And it wasn't actually doing real engineering work. It was more like, it is technically engineering work, it was surveying. It was straight in a construction site where you wear hard hat, boots, all that stuff. And you deal with people that like, graduated from college or people that drop out from school. So everyone there is like rough around the edges. So engineering there is like not frowned upon, but it's like a sour taste in your mouth when you see an engineer is like, oh, you don't know anything. You're just an educated guy. I went there and I, I learned everything the rough way. But you know what? The work in the outside world in the construction field is actually a lot better than working in an office space. Through the outside world, I learned like I upgraded and became a field engineer where I was able to diversify myself and actually apply what I learned in school and also apply it with people on the outside world where they're a lot more aggressive and sometimes hard to communicate with because you don't always see eye to eye with these people. But it definitely shaped me to be a better person. And eventually now, after working almost 10 years on the, in the field, eventually I wanted to trade. Like some people enjoy it, but I, I had enough of it waking up about like, 5 a.m., 6 a.m., working until like 6, 7, 8 p.m., sometimes like 10 p.m., sometimes even overnight shifts because when working in the construction field, it's go, go, go. It's all about the scheduling and it's a hard life. It definitely takes a toll on your body. So you actually did like overnights in the field? I did the whole night there. I, I, sometimes I would get there at like 5 and work till 3, 4, and sometimes I did an overnight shift where we'd have to have an overlap. So I'd, I'd get there like 8, 9 p.m. and stay till like 3, 4 a.m., which personally I, I enjoyed night shift because there's a lot less people, there's no traffic, and you actually get to like have your head down and kind of work in a calmer environment because there's less people there. So it's usually better. I feel really happy to say that my overnighters, they ended with college. That's something I'm, I'm happy about. <laughs> so that's pretty wild that you still did those uh, working. So You'll learn a lot in the field that probably the office engineers don't get to learn about because not only do you get to see what's how they actually build it, but you get to improve your communication skills by talking to all sorts of people. Like you were saying, there's all sorts of different personalities out in the construction industries. When you're in the office, it's pretty much engineering types or things like that. But when you get out there... Everyone's like-minded in the office, so it's easy to communicate that way. But the main thing I've noticed is that People in, from the office versus people in, in the real world, they butt heads a lot because people designing the office is not always feasible on site. 
Infrastructability is, is a huge deal, right? Like I can design something, for example, like a six foot beam and on paper it looks beautiful. I can just have one beam and two poles, but like on the real world, sometimes I have like a wall there that I can't take off. So I can't just lift up a beam and put it in place. Like sometimes I got to build the beam in place. Sometimes I got to break it in half. The field aspect of an engineering work is actually very fun at times because you will sometimes take whatever is existing that's already pre-designed and then when you want to use it on site, it doesn't exactly work. So you have to redesign it with the guys on site to figure out how they can build it easily and efficiently while saving costs and then relay that message back to the engineering record and you move forward. So the bigger the project, the more complexity there is. It's a fun uh, type of uh, scope of work when you're on the field. Yeah, it's still instead of problem solving. Yeah. I think you touched on something really important there too, that maybe for like some of our younger engineers that are listeners to this podcast, it's like what you put on paper, it doesn't always translate. So that communication and that ability to talk to the contractors in the field and understand what's going on or what's preventing them from doing what looks so perfect in your detail, it's that back and forth that actually makes the project successful in the end. Oh, yeah. The, the amount of backlash I get from that is like next level. So you mentioned like big firms, small firms. What would you say are like some of the advantages or disadvantages of working for both? And like, how would you say that sort of impacted your career growth or, you know, your professional development? There's two ways to look about it. Like some people really like the corporate world, which is big company vibes. And you just want to clock in, clock out. And then that's the main aspect of a big company. Small company is not as a matter of clocking in, clocking out. It's more of like, how much work can you do in a certain time? And the, the biggest thing I've, I've noticed in both is that in a bigger company, commercial world, you're treated more like a number and it's more of a production where you have this many hours, you need to produce this much work and that's it. So some people can do the bare minimum as long as this is what they achieve and then it's done. But the growth aspect of it sometimes is very linear. Sometimes if you have the right connection, it's very exponential. But the work environment, it's a corporate, you're a number. The relationships you have with people isn't the greatest. Versus small company vibes, it's more you work the hours you need to work to achieve something. Like everything is, is trapped, like almost to the half an hour type of thing. While the big companies, it's just it's an hourly. You, you claim an hour you did something, but it's not really true. Versus small companies, it's actually, if I'm going to tell a client I'm going to spend five hours, I'm only billing the client five hours. Because it's it's a small company, it's more interaction with the clients. It's, it's one-on-one and it's everything's accounted for. And it's nice because you get to have a personal relationship with your boss if it's a small company and everyone in the firm when it's a small vibe versus big vibe. You only know your immediate team, but there's like layers of layers of corporation above you and you don't even talk to them. You don't even know who they are. They don't even know who you are. It's, just, it's all about personality and relationships you have. And if you enjoy that or not, it depends on a person. Small company vibes, you, you can work like four hours if you really want to, but then it only impacts you and a company, right? So you put more effort into it because it's you see your personal growth and you see how the company can grow versus big company vibe is not you're just producing work to just move on the project but no one really focuses on what you do as a person i've worked for both big and small and i think my experience has maybe been like a little bit different than you but i understand what you're saying i guess from my experience too from working in the larger and smaller ones i could see like the larger ones uh, in terms of the numbers where i sometimes seen maybe like assembly line type of deals where maybe you're designing, since there's there's so many engineers, like the most efficient way to do like accomplish a project is to have one engineer just be the steel beam guy. 
that person just designs steel beams all day and that's it. They've done it and it's the most efficient way. Yeah. It's kind of a, I feel like running a big company, you need to keep all the cogs rolling. This is from my experience. I think you, you might get more maybe pigeonholed into like a specific thing because yeah, it's the most efficient way to do it. But for now, for me, I'm working a medium-sized company where it's kind of a mix of both worlds. I have a small office, but we have big office resources. For me, I personally like the smaller ones because I think you do get to make an impact like you were implying more. You have more responsibilities. You can do a lot more projects, different types of things. And it's a lot more agile. There we go. Agile. Where if you want to work on something, I feel like you can do that better in a smaller company. Yeah. And in a small company, you're exposed to a lot of things. Like in a small company, you, you actually have to go from A to Z through a project versus like a big company. Like you said, sometimes you get stuck doing a repetitive task day in and day out. Like it sometimes gets really boring. Sometimes it gets exciting depending on the role you have. If you they hire you to do a certain task in a big firm, it, they usually want you to do that same task over and over. And then eventually you like get promoted to senior and then like vice. And then like it's a very linear growth, but in the same field, unless you get bored of that field and you want to change. Yeah, interesting. I'm thinking about this more now too. And it's like the big company that I've worked for, I'm not in design anymore. I'm in like the manufacturing side of it. So I think it is different, but maybe I haven't worked for that big of an engineering firm, like design firm. I think there's a lot of dynamics there too in, in terms of, yeah, what type of company? Maybe those are the trends for bigger companies, but you include private, small, public. I'm sure they're run different ways, but I guess we can't pigeonhole everything into big companies are this, small companies are this. It is going to depend on the people in the company and also how they run their company. I've actually worked for all three types. Like I've worked for a medium-sized company like you. Like it was a smaller company within a bigger company. That was my initial gig, which I, I thought was a lot more personable because I'm still working a small team or a bigger team. But again, because of the fact that it's a bigger head making decisions, to the growth, like let's say if I wanted to move, like I voiced my concern numerous times during that time that I wanted to like learn more. I was like plateauing. I need to like, I need excitement. This is like boring. And he heard me, my supervisor, but he can only do so much based on whatever the seniority says he can. So there was growth, but not that much versus the bigger company when I wanted to, like they hired me for a certain role and I excelled at it. And I told him, okay, I want more responsibilities. But again, it's not they have to go to the other ones and they, that is budget that needs to come into play and this and that. I was like, no, this project needs this. We need to hire that. I felt like I wasn't always heard and a smaller company actually, the way you perform your work is how it's reflected on as you are as a person. So like if you perform well, it's noticeable in a small company. Like you can't sugarcoat it. Like the facts are there in your hand, right? And then you get rewarded according. Whereas the big company, sometimes you'll get noticed within the smaller side of it but in a bigger scheme of things it's they just see as dollar values like okay this team performed well they don't see the individual person of this team did well is at least from my personal experience that's how i felt i'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode ppi a leader in engineering exam prep for the fe and pe exams ppi provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the fe and pe exams the first time PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the options available for FE and PE exam prep. For a person transitioning from either a big or a small firm or a big firm to smaller firm, 
did you have any advice for them in terms of how to adapt or acclimate to the new work environment? I guess the main thing that I've noticed between larger and smaller is that in the larger firm, the main thing is that you always got to show up ready for the unexpected. Because especially for me, for example, when I worked in construction with the bigger firm, I was hired to be a lead field engineer. So my role as a general is to be to show up and guide the engineers on site to perform the work they got to do. So when you go there and you, you assess the situations, you deal with your best ability from your own personal experience. And very rarely do you have someone that you can go to for guidance or advice because everyone's usually busy doing their own thing. So there is usually support. But the support isn't exactly by your side where you just ask him for help. It's like sometimes you have to schedule a meeting and then you have to wait to get a resolution and then it, it stacks up on things. Like it just adds up. Like let's say you're dealing with five people in front of you and there's an issue here, here, here. You can't just go and deal with it. Sometimes you can, but sometimes you need help from seniority and then you got to schedule them because then they have their own schedule and then they have their own schedule to talk to other people because they got then they got to go talk to the client. An example I can give you is let's say there was a, something on site where it wasn't fitting properly. So I had to get something above my scope that I couldn't resolve. So I had to get a senior engineer to come and assess the situation with me. So I had to wait to schedule an appointment with him, which took a day. And then after that, then we had to schedule an appointment. Like once we discussed and we realized we couldn't solve it, we had to get the project manager involved, which took another day. And then after that, another day again to talk to the client. So it was like, it's a small delays that adds up to things versus small company vibes. For example, we're here right where I work now. My boss is right beside me. So like I have a question, I just turn around, I'm like, I need help with this. Can you help me? And like within like 10, 15 minutes, like we're able to talk it out, resolve it, and move forward. So the biggest thing I have is time management is a big thing. Like foreseeing things in the future with a bigger firm is good skill to have when you're able to see ahead of time and try to predict the future, quote unquote predict. Versus small company vibes, it's a lot more personable where you can resolve issues right away. In terms of growth, if you start small, go to big, you have that advantage where you can problem solve a lot faster. But if you start from big and go to small, you learn that skill the hard way, but you develop a lot faster. Do you think it's important for engineers to having a goal set for themselves or like a game plan? Like how important do you think that is? Like how would you suggest they start out or how would you like in terms of planning? Like what do you think about that? Most people out of school, like high school, university have no idea what they want to watch. Take me, for example, I didn't even know I was going to do engineering and I went to university and I just did a degree for the sake of doing it. And then I graduated four years later and I just bummed out. I spent the whole summer doing absolutely nothing because I didn't know what I was going to do with myself. I wanted to relax. And then September came around. I had no job lined up. I'm like, you know what? Since it's better just to go to school than doing nothing, I just went back to school to do a master's with no idea what I was doing. And then through that, I figured, okay, well, I need to figure out a game plan of how I want my life to be. And sometimes planning ahead is, is intimidating, especially when you don't know what the world's like. So some, like a good thing to do is to plan like five years in advance, be like in five years, what do I want to achieve? What do I want to grow to aspire to become in those five years? And then find something that guides you or like have some milestones for yourself for those five years to get to that level. And then after that, you take a next step. Okay, I achieved this. Where is my next five years going to be? And the main thing is if you're able to have like a really future goal, like for example, for me, I always told my friends and they tease me about it that I wanted to retire by 35. That was something I always aspired to be, just quote unquote retire as in I'm like, I'm not forced to work, but I want to work. Like I'm working because I enjoy it. So that to me was my future goal that I want to achieve. 
So a lot of people can have their own goals. Like they want to be able to own their own company or they want to be able to be a superintendent or whatever it is that they need to be. I think it's something that they should think about and brainstorm that what they really want to achieve in their life and then start having five years incremental milestones to get to that goal. The smaller the increment and then you achieve it, it's just it's more rewarding because then you see progression versus something that if you give a 20-year progress, it's you don't really have accountability of that sort because like you'll slack for like five years, you'll do a little bit of work for two years. It's better to have small increments because then you feel better and you can achieve a lot more. It's more rewarding that way. I have to ask, are you on track for 35? That seems pretty aggressive. It was an aggressive goal, but I feel I'm on the right track. I don't know if I'm allowed to disclose my age, so I'll say right now, but I'm 33. I feel like within the next two years, I'll be in a place where I choose to work versus I am forced to work. And I feel like the last few decisions that I've done with transitioning between jobs has led me to where I am today. I mean, I also feel blessed. I mean, not, it's not everyone just gets lucky and things happen like that. Like I, right now, I get to work down the street from my house. Like by pure coincidence, I can walk to work every day. And not everyone gets that blessing. So I feel like just things have been working out for me. And I don't know if it's the fact that I'm just taking the right steps in the right directions. And like I said, I gave myself like realistic, achievable goals year in and year out that led me to where I am today. But so far, it's been working. So you mentioned that, you know, back in school that you didn't have a job lined up and you went back to your master's because you didn't really know what you were doing. You kind of just did it just for the sake of doing it. What experiences or moments changed that around for you that where you kind of did that 180 and said that, you know, I'm going to go this direction and I'm going to get this planned out. So back in school, but what also in your professional life, what were those moments that where you grow professionally a lot? And I guess that took you to the next level. I think that the main thing through all this is that I never actually knew what my next step would be. I always had an idea of where I want to be, but not how to get there. And like sometimes people have mentors and like if you can ask mentors to guide you and like people that's in the higher above you, like how the regression to where they were. But I didn't really know how to get to where I am because my goal, quote unquote, is different than what most people want. It's not like some people want to be like an engineer or like a senior engineer. So it's easy to ask me things like that. It's okay to be lost in the mythology of getting there as long as you don't lose track of your progression. Like even if you're going in a zigzag, you're still moving forward. It's as long as you're always making progress, even if it's not in a straight line, it's still good. You could say I wasted a year at my master's because it was it didn't really benefit me in the grand scheme of things. It took me a step forward, which brought me to the my because I got uh, specialized in construction management, which kind of benefited me when I was working in construction. Even if you do things that you think are not always good, it may turn out to benefit you in a way, one way or another. Because down the line, you'll think about something you did in the past that is applicable. And you can move forward. There's sometimes in work when you do things that it works out without you even thinking about it. And sometimes it doesn't. I can't say everything's perfect. It's definitely in the, in the world we live in, it's a lot of the ups and downs. As long as you don't lose track of where you want to go and you just keep going straight. I've listened to like a Seahawk and different people do like career paths and things like that. And I think just sometimes engineers' brains think really linearly that's what we think. And then you come to find out all these people that are ahead of you in their career, they didn't have a linear path at all. So it's nice to see that other people have kind of like those zigzags and the swoops and all the different things. And even if it doesn't feel like you're moving forward all the times, you're still gaining more knowledge and experience and all of those things that might help you in another role in the future, you know? 
In terms of like uh, younger structural engineers, people that you maybe run into, what kind of advice would you give them as they are starting out their career? Would you have any advice for them on how to keep themselves accountable or suggestions on how to like maintain those long-term goals and like work towards those? I think the main thing is all about your personal work ethics and your morals in a team of a, in a soccer game, for example. Everyone has their own goals and you work together to get the victory type of thing. So let's say for the goalkeeper, his job is to save all the balls that come his way. Sometimes you let the balls in and then it happens, right? So the same thing applies in life. Sometimes you have hiccups, but as long as the main goal is that you're trying to win and you have support around you to get to that, it's okay to stumble and fall. But as long as you know that even if you lose the game, you can go and you can practice and you can the next game you'll do better. So the main thing is that you want to always improve yourself. Even if you fail at one thing, maybe ask for guidance. Maybe you need to get, let's say you do something wrong and then you need to be mentored. So you just ask for, for some sort of guidance or explanation how to do things in life. Because at the end of the day, no one's going to hold your hand to get to where you need to be. It's all about your own desires. So you need to make sure that you are adamant of where you want to go and what you want to achieve and then do it. Because if you need something, then go do it. No one's going to come and say, oh, come, let me do it for you. I mean, that's just not how the world works here. So for young engineers, I'd say if you, there's something you really want, just keep pushing at it and keep grinding at it. And before you know it, you'll get better. Just like anything, like swimming. Like no one knows how to swim right away. Later by later, you become a swimmer, you know how to swim, you can flow in the water. And then the more you do it, you can start racing and competing. And, and you might be in a little bit, you know, like you never know, right? And the same thing applies with this life. Like you keep putting, you keep working at it. Eventually you'll succeed if you are really animate of succeeding. It's all about your mindset. Do you have any advice for maybe middle management trying to go up higher or being successful in your career at this point? I think the biggest thing that people have often misconception is that it's okay to take a step back to see a future growth. So like a lot of people think that life should just keep going up, 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 up and or sideways and up. People are scared to take a massive step back, but the growth might be exponential. I'd say that my old job, my growth was progressing very nicely. And then I took a huge leap of faith and I said, you know what, I'll take a massive cut in everything that I believed in and just see where life takes us. And it, the thing that people should do, like if there's something, if you're unhappy or if you want a certain thing in life and you're not getting it where you are, the worst thing you can do is sit there and accept it. Like you're complacent. That's the word. You're, just, you're complacent and you just sit there. And then before you know it, you're old and then you start regretting all the things you've done in life. Like if you think about it, if you just took a step back and you would need five years to, to regrow it, but in five years time, you'll be even 10 times higher than where you were. Or even if you're three times higher or two times higher, it's all about the long-term goal, right? So Anytime in your life, it doesn't matter what the age is, it's always okay to take a step back if you know it can lead to where you want to be. And sometimes being happy and getting to where you need to be, maybe you're not going to make as much money as you think you want, but you know what? Sometimes you'll be even happier than you ever thought was even possible because you're doing something that you're actually enjoying. I think people should break free from that stigma of being that you need to keep growing upwards and it's bad to go backwards and you need to make sure that you have all this money because there's a lot of certainty. If you don't have money, you can't live comfortably. The world goes round and round. If you are happy, the money will come. It goes hand in hand. I don't know how else to explain it, just from experience. If you treat people right and you do things right and you're just in a good mood, things work out for you. If you prioritize yourself and happiness in terms of 
you can make X amount of money doing this one thing that you hate, but you probably won't progress that far because you're in a really bad mood all the time. That's probably going to end your growth. Yeah, if you're miserable, you're going to make everyone else miserable. And that's probably not a good uh, formula for progression or, or going to the next level. So yeah, thanks for that, Roger. I appreciate your mindset and you know, not, not staying too rigid because I think with engineers, I'm sure they all have that rigid path to their careers. But I think you're an example of, hey, take a step back, see what makes you happy. And, and you don't have to follow that rigid career path. There's a lot of different career paths and options that you can do and make sure you're happy doing it. So uh, yeah, I appreciate the advice. We keep saying step back, but you know, the other thing is that sometimes it's just a different step and it's not necessarily like in the wrong direction, but it's a risk. And in general, like engineers don't tend to be very risky people. So it's like, you have to be willing to just take that leap of faith, like you said, or take that risk. And then hopefully, you know, it leads to more happiness or like fulfillment in your own personal life. There's absolutely nothing wrong with taking as many steps as required to get to the place where you want to be in. It's nothing worth reward and seeing someone that's complacent and sitting there and yeah, they make great money, but every day I see them, they're not happy. There's like a lingering cloud over them. They're like, they're still stressed. They're like, oh my God, I have to go back to work on Monday. Like you want to be in, a, you want to find something where it's that mindset is not, oh my God, it's Monday. I have to go back to work. Don't get me wrong. Work is work. I mean, no matter how you, you might love your job, but some days you're like, oh, I don't want to go to work today. It's just normal. But you want to find a place where you're able to feel comfortable, where you're just happy. You woke up like, okay, I feel good today. I can like go work and like come back home. I still great work-life balance. Everything's just, it's smooth transitioning. And it's like you said, engineers are very linear and taking a risk is like a big no-no for like a lot of us. I definitely encourage to take a leap of faith. I don't know if it's because of my background and like being an adrenal junkie and always want to do something dangerous that I'm like, I have these risks in me to want to jump and do things like that. But I definitely encourage people, especially young engineers, to not be scared to take leap. It's the biggest thing, especially at a young age, to just experiment because you don't know what you can do, you know what you can achieve. I wanted to ask, what was your favorite uh, adrenaline junkie activity? The biggest thing I did at my first job because they knew that I wasn't afraid of heights. So they, I used to go up to an 88th floor building to the very end of the ledge and take pictures, daily pictures of the progression. I have a hardest and hook up. But sometimes I was so into it, I was like, it doesn't even phase me. I would go without hooking up. So I would go to the edge, take pictures without hooking up. And I would go back and like, oh shit, I didn't hook up today. I told my boss that one time as a joke, I'm like, I think you should have someone come with me just to make sure I tie myself because... I don't even know it. Like sometimes I'm just on the, I'm literally on the edge taking pictures. I'm like smiling, taking like selfies. It's fun. There's a lot of things I do stupid things and I'm surprised I'm still alive, but thank God I'm still here. Well, thanks again, Roger. I really appreciate you coming on and um, sharing your story with us. Yeah, no problem. It was, it was a great time. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We would love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you will find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 106, as well as any links to any of the resources or websites mentioned during the episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to download the latest version of our AE Industry Trends Report to get answers to the questions that you want to ask your staff 
but you may be afraid to do so. How long will the great resignation last? How long should you allow employees to work remotely? And how are successful firms using data to grow sustainably for the long term? You can learn the answers to these questions and more by downloading the report at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.